Hello, everyone. Uh, this is Luke John Louis, the host of the Deep Voice Man Show. Uh, thanks for joining us today. Uh, we have a treat in store for you guys. Our guest is David Freyden, and uh, he is a product management expert, and uh, he uh, has uh, experience in building successful products since 1969 at organizations like Hewlett Packer, HP, where he was classically trained, and he, uh, at Apple, uh, he helped uh, that firm to bring the first hard disk drive on a PC to market. And due to his leadership and management skills, uh, he was placed at the same management level as Steve Jobs. And uh, David also heads a professional development company specializing in building insanely great products, product management, product marketing, and has trained thousands of managers throughout the world um, based on his experience at HP, Apple, and across 75 products and services, uh, which have brought in uh, over $250 million worth of revenue and 11 startups, of course. And so he is, um, based on his 50 years of uh, experience, he has authored uh, amazing books like Building Insanely Great Products, Organizing and Managing Insanely Great Products, and uh, the third one, Successful Product Design and Management Toolkit. Um, so he is someone who's skilled in talking about the five keys to product success, and he offers online courses and in-person boot camps uh, for students uh, so he can teach them the kind of things that made Apple the most valuable company in the world. And he is someone who is also a pilot. Uh, fly, you know, he loves flying planes, and he trains many pilots, and he's also an environmental mediator. Uh, he currently lives in Silicon Valley, and owns a vacation house in, in Maui, which is exciting <laughs> and amazing. So um, we are very fortunate to have him here. Uh, he is someone who's a very busy man, and uh, he was able to carve out some time in his packed schedule to sit down and have a chat with us. We are so blessed um, to have David here. Thank you so much for coming, David, as a guest. And I guess to start off, um, I'm curious, what is your background, and how did you first gravitate towards uh, what you do today? Well, it's a, uh, a circuitous uh, journey. Um, I went to aerospace engineering school at the University of Michigan, and uh, mm. in my freshman year, uh, since I already had a private pilot's license, I was a little disappointed that the university did not have a flying club. Uh, so I oh. started it. It's still going 50-some years later. Uh, I've trained over 5,000 pilots, including many of the pilots in, uh, at the airlines and the Air Force. Units. Right. And uh, uh, my aerospace engineering professor noticed that I knew how to organize and manage, and he was on Lyndon Johnson's uh, supersonic advisory committee, supersonic transport wow. advisory committee. And the SST was in trouble in Congress at the time over environmental issues, and he, wanted, he asked me if I'd be right. willing to start a uh, nationwide student organization in favor of the uh, American SST. Uh, called FAST, Fly America's SST. So I did that in my sophomore year. Right. Had 45 uh, chapters on 45 campuses around the country and uh, was going to Washington about a month uh, total each year, uh, testifying before mm. Congress, uh, lobbying mm. Congress, and uh, working with the, uh, the Department of Transportation and the White House to try to get the SST mm. approved. Uh, then after right. it got shot down, it was as a result of a general anti-technology feeling in the country that uh, the environmental crisis 
was caused by right. technology. So we changed it to Federation of Americans Supporting Science and Technology to convince people mm-hmm. that the problems with the environment was not caused by technology, it was caused by people, and that we need technology mm-hmm. in order to solve our environmental problems, which turned out to be right. Mm-hmm. And we were able to get a pretty a significant shift in uh, uh, public attitudes towards that to the point now mm. where everyone agrees that technology is the solution, not the problem. Mm. So mm. I ran that for a while. When I graduated, moved it to uh, downtown uh, Washington, D.C., uh, started mm. a National Energy Youth Council uh, who, uh, funded by the Atomic Energy Commission to help us get into mm. uh, alternative energy and help prevent the energy crises that we have now uh, from fossil mm. fuels. That one I was mm. not as successful on. Mm. And then I was asked to come to Minnesota uh, by Minnesota Power and Light to be the executive right. director for the Environmental Balance Association of Minnesota to try to balance mm. economic, environmental, and energy needs. And that resulted right. in me getting into being an environmental mediator in resolving one of the largest, longest uh, environmental conflicts at the time over uh, mm. reserve mining, uh, dumping taconite tailings at the rate of 50,000 tons a day in wow. Lake Superior. Uh, and then HP recruited me because I could help them with the siting in their new facilities around the country that they were having mm. trouble with, and they moved me from Minnesota to California. I introduced word processing to the uh, corporate PR department because it was the only department mm-hmm. in the company that knew how to type. And mm-hmm. uh, that enabled me to move over into product management at HP in the office mm-hmm. systems division. And from there, Apple recruited me to bring the first hard disk drive to market on a PC. It had an right. enormous storage capability of uh, five megabytes, uh, and it was really cheap. It was only $3,600. Wow. So they, wow. they management of the uh, – personal computer systems division noticed that I could manage, so they asked mm. me to take over as the uh, product manager, group product manager uh, from Trip Hawkins, who had left the company and went off to start right. Electronic Arts. And wow. uh, to make a long story short, uh, after doing that a little while, uh, they asked me to uh, take full authority for the product line and appointed me the business unit manager for the Apple III. Wow. That's amazing. That's amazing. And you were put at the same level as Steve Jobs, Steve Jobs, and that's incredible. Yeah, um, yeah there was and... three product lines at Apple at the time, the Apple II, the Apple mm-hmm. III, and the Macintosh that was going to be mm-hmm. introduced. And right. Steve was running the Macintosh division. I was running the Apple III division. Wow. That's amazing. So you helped bring about the first hard disk drive on a PC to market, which is amazing. Yeah. Correct. <laughs> And, uh, and it's interesting how, you know, you, you saw the rise of computers, um, how the world was prior to computers. Um, when, a, you know, the, I, think, I think one of those things that were so big and heavy, it took up a room, uh, computers, right. <laughs> and then how small they are. And so to, to, to see that transition and to be part of it about how, you know, most homes didn't even have a computer and now every home has one for the most part, you know, to, to be yeah, witness was, to that. And, that's, that's, yeah. At the time I was at Apple, uh, market penetration in the U.S. of personal computers yeah. was only 4, 4%. And wow. Part of our marketing is we had to convince people that this would be a useful tool to have. And then the right. huge increase, increase in productivity in the world, particularly in the United States, right. 
which enabled uh, Bill Clinton to balance the budget by the late right. 90s was as a result of yeah. the introduction of personal computers into corporate America. Yeah. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. That's incredible. And, it's, uh, and thank you for sharing your story, of course. And how you went from, you know, uh, you graduated from University of Michigan. You, you had studied aerospace, and you were all about flying, and you trained people to fly, uh, you know, as commercial pilots or in the Air Force as well. And it's interesting how you went from there, and you got, you were able to get that, you know, that, I guess, that gig at, you know, HP. And, and I guess, as they say, the rest is history. But before that, you were, you started, you had, um, you were involved in, I, so, I guess, the environmental movement to some extent you're a mediator right. and and i could you know it, it was odd when i saw that you were an environmental mediator i was like well what is that exactly but then when i thought about it it sort of makes sense because obviously there's lots of disputes between uh, firms that want to make money and they want to obviously use the resources of the environment you can imagine mining companies and whatnot and people that want to preserve the environment <laughs> they don't want to they want to see it maintained in their its pristine state so i can see why there could be conflict and it's amazing that you played a role as a mediator um and also it's, it's amazing how you saw how society blamed technology for the environmental uh, i guess distress that was going on but you were part of trying to convince society that it was not technology but people and that and, and now people realize that it's you know people are to blame in so technology is the solution to things like climate change and whatnot. And, uh, Correct. So I think that's amazing. Um, so uh, obviously you have a great uh, breadth of experience. And one of the things that's uh, important here is that uh, conflict comes about because people uh, disagree on the problem uh, or they disagree yes. on the solution to the problem. And, right. Um, in order to resolve a, uh, uh, a conflict as a mediator, you have to understand what it is that's motivating and what are the attitudes yes. of the parties that are involved in the conflict. And a product right. manager has to do the same thing. They have to understand right. what is it that a customer wants to do, and then they have to right. develop a product that helps them get that thing done better, faster, uh, uh, cheaper. Or, or with style, right. which is called innovate, called innovation. Wow, that's amazing. I, I wasn't sure how those two things uh, were related, and I saw and I saw you did both. You're involved in both, so now you kind of explained and clarified how they're related. And I totally get it and understand now. And I think people like yourself do a great service. Um, you know, you see how conflict is so common, particularly in our country today, where the United States is very politically divided. I'm sure you know, and so many people disagree on so many issues and disagree on how this country should be run. And I don't want to get involved in talking about my personal opinion or whatever, but, but we, we have to live together, you know, uh, both sides or all sides. And there has to be compromise. There has to be folks like yourself um, uh, who are running or in control and try to bridge the divide and try to settle matters. And so it's so important that we have more people like yourself who who know how to mediate and, and try to settle disputes. And it's so it's needed now more than ever. Uh, and so I think that's so such an important skill. And we need these kinds of people like yourself in Washington, D.C. Uh, right now. 
And um, so um, thank you so much for sharing your story. Uh, it's an amazing story. And I'm curious. Now, obviously, you have decades worth of experience. Uh, I'm, I'm, you know, and I'm, I'm just very curious. What, how would you describe the uh, the current state of you know pro- proper product marketing and, and and management in particular? And what challenges has the pandemic posed? Uh, well, the state is still good, and it's a rapidly growing field. Uh, the history of it goes back to 1938 at Hewlett Packard, which was building mm. on. Uh, what Procter & Gamble did in 1932 called brand management, except for okay. uh, a technology-based company. And uh, they are primarily responsible for pro- the success of the product. And that's uh, – so I actually think we should change the title to uh, product success manager as opposed okay. to product manager uh, because that okay. more clearly explains what the role is. Um, okay. In eight – in the age of COVID, uh, you got to do everything remotely, which uh, right. a lot of it was done previously face to face. So it's just learning how to, to work remotely. Right. Okay. And what's interesting about that, though, is um, when it comes to working remotely, that people save a lot of time and money because they don't have to travel to uh, to meet with people, communicate. They don't, you know, they don't have to pay for, uh, you know, transportation, driving, or flying out, or whatnot. So I think in many ways it's been great. Um, it, saves, it, it makes things more efficient, and you're able to reach more people with technology, um, as opposed to if you have to meet with people, everyone face-to-face. Now you can have a webinar where, you know, a thousand people can be, can be watching you and learning from you, and, you know, you can have a huge group meeting with thousands of people on Zoom. And it doesn't really right. cost as much as it. And so, and people working from home apparently, um, people work longer hours when they work from home, um, which yep. is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so I think, um, so I think with crisis comes opportunity, and I, I guess you can imagine things were headed in this direction already, but maybe the pandemic kind of sped things up a lot, <laughs> so to speak. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, definitely is a new world, and. So I'm curious, uh, obviously, uh, we, I guess we both agree that in the future there will be a new normal. Never will go back to the way things were uh, pre-pandemic. Um, but I'm curious, what, what, more, how, what do you think that that post-pandemic world is going to look like? I mean, how do you, where do you see things in the future, and where do you see yourself in that future? Um, I think one of the things that we'll see is uh, – People reluctant to uh, shake hands or hug. Uh, when, when I <laughs> yeah. walk down the street, I, I see people avoiding each other for fear that yeah. they might have the plague. And, and in some right. cases, they do. I think it's going to take a <laughs> yeah. year or two to get to get yeah. comfortable to do that again. Uh, yeah. I think as uh, climate change continues to curse through the environment, uh, we're mm-hmm. going to see other pandemic uh, breakouts. Uh, right. So that uh, hopefully mm. uh, the Biden administration will put into place an ongoing structure to deal with these things faster and better, uh, which is right. something that uh, that uh, uh, Barack Obama was doing. Um, mm. But uh, unfortunately, Trump uh, dissolved that group in the White House responsible for such a thing back in okay. 2017. I see. Wow. Okay. 
And, um, you know, it's interesting because uh, obviously we're, we're social animals as human beings, so we sort of have to be around each other. Um, right. Yeah. I mean, that, you know, Bill Gates, I think, once said that you need, um, it's okay to have high tech, but you need to also have the high touch. I think he had, had said that one time. And, you know, it's, it's, it's funny because also the, they found that the longest lived people in the world, uh, and they studied this, one, part of the reason why they live for such a long time is because they have a, a rich social life. They're around their family, around other people. And they found that this is yeah. important. Yeah, they found that the longest lived people in the world have rich social lives. And that's part of the reason why they live so long. They have a community, they have a family, and whatnot. They're not just stuck in a nursing home uh, that's right. living a miserable existence. And so it's not so much that they eat healthy or exercise, but they have this strong social atmosphere um, in these uh, areas that they call blue zones, where people live very long. And so being around other human beings is important for our health in ways people don't even understand. So, again, you know, obviously we're social animals, and so we can't really be near each other because of the pandemic, but we have to be near each other to live long, happy, healthy lives. So it's a bit of a contradiction, and that's why um, it's so, you know, it's so confusing. But I, I do agree with you. It's going to take time for people to get back to shaking hands. I think people will do that eventually. And uh, as the vaccine gets distributed more and more, and obviously climate change is going to be a big problem. And, uh, and that's a, an issue that has to be solved. Uh, the science is, is there. It's real. And, and people keep denying it. But we, we have to accept science for what it is. And um, so, you know, hopefully we're able to get, uh, get a handle on this matter, and uh, obviously with the current administration and with future administrations. And so, yeah, um, you know, I think technology will play a huge role there. Uh, as, as you had mentioned before. Um, now, I'm curious. Now, obviously, you you work with teaching a lot of folks, um, and I think you said the proper way to frame it is product success management. Is, um, is, do correct. I have that correct? Yeah. And yeah. so you teach people how to do this uh, successfully, which is amazing. And, you know, you work in this realm. And obviously, there's a lot of folks who are very good at um, product success management. And, I'm curious, what makes you um, stand out? What is your competitive advantage, so to speak, um, uh, when it comes to this to this uh, subject of product success management? Well, first, uh, I've done it for over 50 years, so I've got a lot of experience, a lot of successes, and a lot of failures, and I've learned from my failures. Right. And I've uh, codified it in my books and in my training and also invented uh, some things. Uh, for example, uh, the SPICE of SPICE Catalyst, my company name, stands mm-hmm. for, S stands for Product Market Strategy. The P stands for a repeatable, mature process. The I stands for information available to product management so they can make intelligent decisions. The C mm-hmm. is understanding the customer, what mm. they do, when they mm. do it, why do they do it, how do they do it. Right. And the E stands for the employees in terms of them uh, having all the skill sets and competencies necessary for product success. So mm. that's a unique combination of the five keys to product success, uh, which mm. I teach and uh, many of my competitors do not even recognize that those mm. things exist. Wow. That's amazing. And you, clearly you have the resume, the experience, uh, and know what you're talking about. And, and you're also an inventor. And, you know, people like yourself just fascinate me, the people who are just 
so creative, who have that creativity. Um, you know, you helped come up with ideas that move almost everyone who's a consumer who pulls out their wallet or their pocketbook to buy a product or whatnot. You know, you play a huge role in that, in, in, the, in the everyday decisions that people make all the time. And so uh, obviously people like yourselves play a huge role in society. And it's great that you're able to teach folks these skills. Um, and, and, that's, and I'm sure teaching folks is very rewarding. Um, you know, I love teachers and people who, who try to educate and mentor others. And you have a lot to teach folks based on your experience and decades worth of, of doing this. Um, right. And, yeah, and obviously as uh, someone who um, resolves conflicts as a mediator, um, and that plays a role in the C word of spice, on understanding what customers want, which is so critical. And I guess there's many ways to do that, right? Focus groups, uh, taking surveys, polls, you know, polls and whatnot. You need to understand what a- customers actually, think. Actually, I yeah. Actually, what I advocate is you can't ask people what they want. Uh, uh, Henry yeah. Ford allegedly went out and asked people that question, uh, and yeah. they said, "No, we don't want a car. We want a faster horse." <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I, I advocate advocate that you act like a social anthropologist uh, and mm. you observe what people do and then you ask them right. why are you doing that? How do you right. do that? What do you, what right. do you like about doing it? When do you do it? Where do you do it? Uh, what's mm. important about it, getting that thing done? Right. And how satisfied are you with the current solution? Mm. Uh, and that's done first by observation, then by interviews, right. then by surveys, and if you have big data available, you access that big data. So mm. that's how you figure out whether or not the product you're going to build will be successful. Okay. I see what you mean. And thank you for that clarification. Uh, and that's amazing. And um, obviously uh, going to people and inquiring about what they want is not really the best strategy. They'll just tell you faster horses. But it's important to start the process that you just described by observing and whatnot and probing. And, and, and that, that's amazing. Uh, thank you so much for clarifying that. And, uh, and I think that that process just sounds incredible. And it just shows you why you succeed at what you succeed at and, what, and you're great at what you do. And I'm curious, um, you've, of course, helped a lot of folks. You've taught a lot of students. And I think you've, you've trained, of course, thousands upon thousands of people, and you've written books. Um, can you tell us any of the most moving or entertaining stories from your life or career? Um, well, I, I think uh, one thing that was significant in my career was uh, taking over the Apple III product line as the business unit manager. And mm-hmm. the way it came about is that Steve Jobs uh, was back then uh, always thinking of the market about seven years in advance of where we were, but Mm. confusing it with where where the market was right then and there. So he was afraid of competition for his Macintosh. So the Apple III, which was focused on the business office market, is the same place that he wanted to go with with his Macintosh, which is not yet shipping. Uh, Right. So – he convinced the executive committee uh, of the company to cancel the product line. And a Mm. couple of weeks after that cancellation occurred, and they didn't consult with me, who Mm. was the group product manager at the time, uh, I was coming out of the corporate offices, uh, the Mariani building on uh, De Anza Boulevard near 280 in Mm -hmm. Cupertino. 
And right. uh, Ida Cole, who was the uh, vice president uh, or the uh, director of marketing for my division, ran out mm. for Abby and said, uh, uh, John Skelly wants to see you. And mm. uh, I said, oh, yeah, I met John a couple times. He was the president of Apple at the time. So I went right. into a little executive uh, conference room of his off of his office, and yeah. uh, 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 Del Yoakum was there, who was the VP of Manufacturing. Uh, Joe right. Graciano was there, who was the uh, 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 CFO at mm. Scully. And uh, uh, Scully says, uh, we've got $20 million worth of piece parts for the Apple III, which we have to throw mm. away, uh, which would be about $200 million today. Uh, what should we wow. do about that? And uh, I said, what do you mean, we, pale face? And he didn't laugh. So I said, wow. well, I guess you hadn't heard the joke. And he said, no. And I said, um, uh, back in the 50s, there was a very popular television show called The Lone Ranger. And he had mm. a trusty Indian sidekick named Tonto. And mm. uh, whenever I tell this story to uh, Indians from India, I have to say uh, uh, an American Indian sidekick, Tonto. Right, yeah, and yeah. The story goes that they're galloping uh, through the desert, and they get surrounded by 10,000 yelling, screaming Indians, and uh, the mm. Lone Ranger turns to Tonto and says, Tonto, we're surrounded by 10,000 yelling, screaming American Indians, and all they mm. want to do is scalp us. And Tonto says, mm. what do you mean, we, pale face? Uh, what do you mean, <laughs> we, pale face? Yeah. Uh, because he was one of the, one of the Indians. Uh, yeah. And I said, you can't... You canceled my product line. You didn't ask me what we should do about it. He said, right. okay, what do you suppose we do? I said, well, uh, give me the authority commensurate with the responsibility, and we'll get the job done. And mm. uh, because product management back then and to a great extent today around the world, product mm. managers have all the responsibility for the product success, but they don't have any authority right. and have to use their mediation skills in order to get things mm. done. So I told him the story of uh, um, uh, Kelly Johnson of the Lockheed Skunk Works that could develop an mm. advanced aircraft in 18 months versus Lockheed taking seven years. I told right. him the story of the sole of a new machine where Alpha General mm. was able to develop a new mini computer faster by moving the development out of Boston to Raleigh, Durham, mm. North Carolina. I told him the story of IBM where the senior executives of IBM were opposed to IBM doing a personal computer for fear that it would cannibalize their mainframe business, uh, right. trying to repeat the same mistake that Kodak made uh, that right. we've seen over the years where they invented mm. uh, visual photography. And at the time right. in the 80s, 70s and 80s when they did that, it was the, one of the largest and most profitable companies in the world. And now they're right. a, a shell of themselves, uh, just selling right. off their patents. Uh, wow. And so they moved the development of the uh, IBM PC to Boca Raton, Florida, to get it as mm. far away from world headquarters for IBM as possible, but to stay in the same mm. time zone. Right. So I said, give me the authority commensurate with the responsibility. And yeah. uh, he said, uh, make me a proposal. I did. Uh, the executive mm. committee asked me to take over the entire product line uh, as the business unit manager or bum. Uh, because they didn't want to call me the general manager. And we went out and sold 25,000 Apple Threes, generated uh, hundreds of millions of dollars of profits to keep uh, about mm. 1,000 to 1,500 uh, highly paid Apple people uh, working at Apple uh, and mm. converted the product into what the Boston Consulting Group called 
uh, about five years later, a cash cow. Wow. That's amazing. That's a, uh, an amazing story. And it's an example of you, obviously, uh, asserting yourself and using your mediation skills and, and selling because you explained your, your argument and your, your case in a very convincing way. And uh, so thank you so much for that. And I guess that is how um, you were able to sort of get to the same level as Steve Jobs um, at that moment in time because um, you needed right. to have the authority, right? You didn't have the authority, right. as, and, and you got the authority, and that's what you, you needed. You realized, and you went about and got it. So that's amazing <laughs> and worked out very well for them, I'm sure, uh, as you can see. Uh, obviously, they described it as a cash cow. And you talked about Kodak and the mistakes they've made. And, and it's, so, it's crazy how a company like Kodak, I think Kodak was actually part of the Dow Jones, if I'm not mistaken, right? Oh, yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. Uh, one of, you know, Dow Jones is one of 30 premier companies uh, in right. the U.S. And um, so to be listed there is, 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 is with General, I think General Electric was on there for a long time. It may have left. But, um, yep. yeah, it, it's interesting how companies can go the way of Kodak and how technology changes and how you have to stay on top of things and how you have to make the right decisions and have intelligent people putting forth intelligent strategy and you know, strategic advice. And you, of course, helped to make Apple sort of what it is today um, in many ways. And that's incredible. Yep. They're obviously now Apple's the most valuable company in the world. I think they're the first trillion-dollar firm uh, in capitalization. Yeah, I, think I, they're believe, approaching, uh, I think they're approaching $2 trillion now. Oh, wow. <laughs> that's incredible. Um, and, you know, it's interesting. Uh, their brand is obviously the most valuable brand in the world. And uh, that, there was a time, actually, with Apple when uh, I think there was a Time magazine cover. I think it was Time magazine that said Apple was done or finished. <laughs> and clearly that was wrong. And if, you, if people had bought stock in Apple at that time, uh, they'd probably be millionaires. <laughs> I think if they put a you know, couple grand, maybe a few, in, uh, and just held on. Um, so amazing. Um, uh, so uh, it's interesting. Now, obviously, um, and thank you again for sharing that amazing, inspiring story. Uh, you, we talked before about relationships, uh, human beings having to be around each other and whatnot. And at the level you're at, you know, you, you have to, of course, uh, be a people person and build relationships and deepen those relationships. And networking is so key and critical for everyone. They say the most successful people have the widest and deepest networks. And it's not just only for entrepreneurs or people in the business world, but also people looking for a job. Um, you know, if you're, a jo if you're unemployed, particularly people now, or if you have a job and you want to get a better job, because obviously no job is secure, so you have to know what's going on. Or if you want to meet your significant other, it may help to have a wide network. You just know about opportunities when you know a lot of people. The luckiest people, your, luck, your good luck goes up when you know lots of people and have great relationships. So I guess my question to you is what advice would you give to people when it comes to um, going about building a strong, solid network so they can know about opportunities and referrals? Um, ask people for their advice. Um, okay. People love to give advice. And, in fact, if you're looking to find a job, don't go out, out asking people uh, uh, for a job. Ask people mm. for advice. And if you do, okay. do those what I call advice calls, uh, hmm. frequently they'll, they're actually interviewing you uh, for a job. Yeah. And, uh, 
and it's not uh, imposing. Right. Okay. That's amazing advice. I think I haven't heard that kind of advice before, so it's very unique. Um, requesting advice from people because people love to talk about the things they know and people love to teach and educate others. You'd be surprised how so many people get a kick out of doing that. And obviously you, you would know that for, well, you're a teacher, you're an educator, you know, the thrill you get when you're, when you're sort of, um, when I, when you're enlightening others and students with new knowledge and information they didn't have before. And they're, they're absorbing it from you you know, because of you. This, I guess it's something that can't really be described in words. And so it's important that people take, exploit this kind of thing and go to folks and request advice. And so that's amazing, um, amazing uh, advice, <laughs> I would say. Thank you so much for sharing it. And I'm going to go ahead and request some advice from you. <laughs> um, what, what advice would you give to someone who wants to, to do what you do, who wants to get involved in the world of product management and, and, and maybe perhaps product marketing and branding and whatnot? Yeah, I think the, the number one thing is the hiring manager will tend to hire people that know how to do the job. So, okay. And uh, most product managers have learned how to do product management by trial and error and on the job, and they only become competent uh, maybe after doing it a year or two. Well, mm. something that can uh, speed things up is they could take my courses and all of my courses, which are available mm -hmm. on demand online on Udemy, and you can find yeah. out all, about all of them at uh, my website, spicecatalyst.com, that they uh, take the courses fill out the workbook, and then that becomes like a, a, an artist's portfolio that you mm. can take with you to your interview, and you can pull it out and say, see, I know how to put together a product market strategy. I know how to put together a marketing plan. I know how mm. to do, uh, put together a social media marketing plan and so forth, uh, which are the things that you learn uh, from my classes and from my books. Mm. That's amazing. Alternatively, uh. you could – Go to Amazon, uh, buy my books, and the workbooks that I just described for the courses are also available there uh, uh -huh. in print and electronic version, and uh -huh. uh, do it that way if you prefer reading versus an uh, online course with a series of uh, narrated PowerPoint slides. Mm. Thank you so much for that. And, you know, there's a saying, if you want to learn uh, how to do it best, you got to learn from the best, and... And Tony Robbins likes to say that success leaves clues, so you want to meet with successful people and sort of pick their brains. And um, so I think yeah. for folks, to, if they want to learn how to do this, learning from someone like yourself uh, who's done this for decades, I think is probably the best advice you can give someone. Um, it's sort of like they're getting you as a mentor. Um, obviously, you're not meeting with them face-to-face -face or whatnot, or maybe they could, I guess, if they reach out to you, but... You know, you can't obviously speak to everyone, but through the books and through the online courses, you can teach up to upwards of tens, thousands, hundreds of thousands, uh, millions, you know, of people, possibly. And you can, through that, uh, through the books and the online courses, you can sort of widen your reach. And it's so important that people seek out um, knowledge from those who are at the level that they're trying to attain. And I think that's one of the key success principles that many success, successful people find, uh, have followed. So uh, thank exactly. you so much for that. Right. And I'm curious. Now, obviously, um, on the, looking at the other side of it, 
Um, what advice would you give to someone or firm who's looking for a consultant, um, someone, I guess, like yourself, who's skilled in product management? What should they look for, and how should they go about it? Well, contact uh, experienced product managers. Uh, tell them what your problem is and ask mm. them to give you a proposal. And the proposal mm. should outline how they're going to go about helping find uh, solutions to your problem. Mm. Okay. Thank you so much for so that. So it's a request for proposal. Okay. And they should start from there. Uh, yeah. I see what you mean. All right. Thank you so much for that. And it, um, it's curious. Now, you've mentioned a lot of successful um, life lessons and, and principles that, of course, you have followed. Um, and obviously, you utilize your, your natural talents and skills and abilities to, to find success. And obviously, you worked very hard. And you also had that assertiveness to stand up for yourself. To, so, you, you know, you requested that you be given more authority, and you were in the story that you gave when you worked at Apple. Um, but in addition to that, what other important life lessons um, can you share with us that have helped you that you've learned yourself or from others? I think it's something that uh, Warren Buffett talked about a couple weeks ago, uh, and mm. that is uh, be humble and be empathetic uh, to your fellow mm. uh, man, woman, planet. Um, so humble and empathetic. Uh, and I think lastly, be competent. Uh, know mm. what you're doing is the right way to get things done. Wonderful. Thank you so much for that. And uh, I do um, agree with you um, that humility is so important. Um, you know, in many ways, people, you know, you're always learning. I'm sure you're learning new things, as, you know, even though you've, you've learned quite a lot. Um, and I think Albert Einstein said that you never stop learning. You're, you always have to have the mindset of a student. And I guess that ties in with being humble. Um, you know, you, you, always, you always want to maintain an empty cup, as they say in Zen. And, and try to learn from others, take in the criticism or the feedback, and, and, and always, always improve, never stop trying to improve. So I, I do agree that being humble is, uh, is uh, such amazing advice. And I, I follow the credo that sometimes ego is the enemy. <laughs> you know, when you have too much of a big ego, it tends to be counterproductive. And so you, I think humility is, is, is something that uh, people really need to uh, – seize upon and improve upon. So thank you so much for that. And obviously competence is uh, you have to know what you're doing. You have to learn, study, and work hard at it. Uh, thank you so much for that. And um, yeah, Thomas, so, Thomas Edison yeah. once said that uh, success is 5% inspiration and 95% right. perspiration. So you've got to really work hard at it for a long time. It's yeah. not just the idea. Uh, others have mm. said that uh, if you build a better uh, mousetrap, the world will beat a path to your door. Well, if they don't yeah. know where your better mousetrap is, which is what the purpose yeah. of marketing is, uh, they ain't yeah. going to come to see you. So, yeah. no, you got to understand and build a product that does what a customer wants to do, and then you have mm. to market it so that they know the path to go uh, to get that product for themselves. Right. And marketing is so important, so key. Uh, you'd be surprised how so many people who work in different fields but understand that um, whether they're a personal trainer or a real estate agent or whatever the case may be, and they understand that they have to be on social media. You know, <laughs> If they're not on social media, yeah. then who knows if they even exist? Or they have to have a website, they have to have this, that, and the other thing. 
And they may not know anything about social media, but they have to, right? Um, Yeah. You know, uh, in order to survive or if they want to compete, even if they're great, who, who knows if they're great, if they're not, if they're not out there and whether it's social media, whether it's whatever, you know, whatever the case may be, if it's, uh, I don't know, newspaper, I don't think people do newspaper ads anymore, but what you, you have to be in those channels and uh, venues so people know about you. And I think that's so important. And you talked again about the importance of hard work. I'm sure you've heard of the 10,000 hour rule. Uh, I think it was, I think Malcolm Gladwell talked about it in his book, how people who are great devote at least 10,000 hours to it. Uh, to get to that level. And I think Thomas Edison was the one who says that opportunity is available to many people, but they ignore it because it's dressed up in overalls and it's called work, <laughs> so to speak. <laughs> um, I think he was the one who said that. Um, and so, yeah, uh, Thomas Edison was a brilliant guy. Um, and it's interesting, his life, um, when he was growing up, people didn't think much of him. They thought he was actually slow as a kid. I think he was quiet or or he was very rambunctious, one or the other, and uh, people didn't give him much thought, but he developed and matured into a great inventor um, and whatnot. So, uh, but on the subject of, of books and whatnot, um, I'm curious, what, what book recommendations would you give to folks when it comes to um, personal development or any other issue for that matter? Uh, what are your top book picks for folks? Well, of course, I'll recommend my books since I'm biased. Um, of course. And uh, if you want to find a job, um, a book that I found very useful uh, many years ago is called Moving Up. I think that's the name of it. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, it advises you to um, do the advice calls, like we talked about earlier, for the network. Right. Uh, right. Also, develop your network before you need the network. Right. Because the worst time to try to develop a network is when uh, you need it. Yeah, that's so true. That is so true. And thank you so much for that um, key advice. You know, it, it, I think more and more people are realizing that you want to create, it's sort of like creating the customers first before you sell the product, if that makes any sense. You know, yep. <laughs> create the audience before you put on the show. Uh, Exactly. And, yeah, I think um, there's a there's something uh, that I, I think I'd be remiss if I didn't mention. I um, Kylie Jenner, who's one of the Kardashians, she actually is one of the youngest, I believe, self-made billionaire ever. And she did that because she had a large following on Instagram, and she put out a makeup line, and it sold out within yeah. a couple of hours. <laughs> you heard of that, right? Yeah. Yeah. This and and because <laughs> it pisses you off, yeah, but. She was able to do that because she had the audience. She had the friends or the followers. And you know what they say. Um, you never have to sell a friend. <laughs> and the more friends you have, the easier, you know, you have more people who buy your products who want to help you succeed. So having the followers, having the, <laughs> the audience before um, is so, it's so important. And I think a lot of people need to realize that. Um, but so again, I wanted to um, go ahead and then thank you again for being a guest. But 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 um, I, I actually had a quick question for you that just came to mind. Sure. Um, would you ever write a book about your life? Now I know you've written books about how to help people and product management and whatnot, but like just an autobiography about your life. 
Well, actually, I'm, I'm writing something similar to that. Uh, I have uh, two more books I want to get done, and then I'm going to retire. The one that I'm working on now is uh, 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 I have a bunch of letters that my dad wrote during World War II back to his family. Oh, wow. And he was a very, very funny writer, uh, and his name was Hyman, H-Y-M-A-N. Uh, and he mm. sometimes went by the nickname Jaime. So the name of the okay. book is uh, for my Jaime, and uh, mm. uh, sort of like the the Vagina Chronicles, and uh, <laughs> published by Family History, which started with my grandfather in Kiev, who is the blacksmith yeah. for the governor of Kiev, who uh, mm. in 1914 given a couple hundred dollars and told to get out of the country before the Russians wow. killed him because he. He was Jewish, and he came to America. Oh, wow. Uh, my dad was the youngest of uh, six kids, um, mm. and uh, he always wanted to get published, but he never had to, wow. couldn't handle the, the rejections. So I'm going to publish all of his letters, and plus uh, an oral history of my grandfather's life called Letters for, wow. letters for My uh, I could have been a great humor writer, but I became a plumber. It would be the subtitle. And then the uh, last book, I, the last book I'm going to write is um, uh, a lot of little short stories of little things that have happened in my life uh, that are funny, mm. really funny, and it's called mm. Trippin, T-R-I-P-P-E-N, like tripping over your okay. own feet. And the okay. cover is going to be a couple of uh, um, um, uh, gym shoes with the laces tied to each other, so you trip and fall down all the time. <laughs> All right. That's amazing. That's amazing. And I can't wait to actually um, read those books. When they come out, I'll be the first person online to check them out and buy them. And uh, Yeah. And so um, because I, I don't have a strong interest in product management, um, and I know you've written books on that, of course, but these books that you're, you're coming out with, I can definitely um, check out and devour and whatnot. Uh, of course, I'll look into the product management books. There may be something there that's applicable to to me that I can get something or derive from to help me out. But I'm definitely going to check out these books, particularly the letters and then the tripping and whatnot. <laughs> and uh, you mentioned the, but, but uh, I think you made the the joke about vagina or whatnot. I was thinking it, but um, I didn't want to say it. But you said it for me, so that's um, good on you for that, I guess. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and uh, so. Um, thank you for mentioning that. Now, obviously, um, the other question I have for you is, obviously, you're a man of great knowledge and wisdom. Would you ever um, start your own podcast? Uh, I think you'd be great. Uh, I would listen to it. So you have one listening member, audience. Uh, yeah, you to start I've done my own podcast and videocast uh, called Product Success Issues, and they're all available uh, off of my website, spicecatalyst.com. Mm. I've, I've done about 10 episodes. And uh, okay. what I try to do is interview VP of product management, uh, experienced product managers, as to uh, what's what's successful and what's not so successful. Okay. That's amazing. Because um, I um, – and thank you for sharing that. Because uh, I tell everyone that um, that they should, uh, everyone should start a podcast. Now, I know you're familiar probably with the marketing guru, Seth Godin. He's like bald-headed, wears glasses, written many books. Seth Godin. I may be saying his name wrong. And he says that everyone should have a podcast and that podcasting is a new blogging. And um, it's free to start a podcast um, with Anchor. And so obviously you have to devote time to it. But uh, 
definitely. I think um, I'm going to check out the podcast that you just talked about, uh, and I think that's amazing. And so thank you so much uh, for being a guest on the show. Um, You said a lot of things that were enlightening and educational, and I think the audience uh, would agree with me on that. So thank you again for being a guest on the show, and I want to thank the audience for listening. Um, I was going to go ahead and give you the last word or the final send-off. Is there anything else you wanted to mention? Well, if anybody has a uh, company or product idea and they want to get some advice on it, I'd be happy to uh, spend an hour with them uh, reviewing the plan. And thank you so much for that. All right. And, again, thank you for coming on as a guest, and thank, thank you to the audience out there. I'm going to see you guys in the next episode. Take care, everyone, and everyone have a wonderful day. Bye-bye. You bet. Take care. Bye-bye. Hey, guys, before you go, just real quick, um, if you can just do me a favor, if you can head over uh, to the uh, Apple Podcasts app, and if you're not there already, and if you can leave me a five-star review, that would be great. Um, If you love the show, if you can just go ahead and do that, and that will help uh, to spread the word about the show, and other people can enjoy the show as much as you do. And so if you can do that, that would mean the world to me. And also, if you want to email me uh, with any feedback or any praise or support, um, please feel free to go ahead and do that. And you can also email me to request to be put on our email list. Uh, So... Uh, we can uh, send you out emails uh, when new episodes come out. So uh, thank you very much for being a fan of the show. Thank you for listening to the show and supporting the show. So if you can do that, go out and give us a a five-star review on the Apple Podcast uh, app. That would be great. And if you can email us so we can put you on the email list and email us with feedback and praise, that would be amazing. Uh, Thank you so much, and I'll see you guys in the next episode. Take care. Bye-bye.